back to Unsolved South. I'm your host, Michelle. And I'm Maddie. You did not <laughs> sound sure or something. Oh, I was trying to go with like, I don't uh, know. I'm like, yeah, I'm Maddie. Kind of thing. All right. But okay. Whatever. I like it though. <laughs> uh, hope everybody had a great week. Maddie, how was your week? It was pretty good. I had a wisdom tea surgery last week, so it's been a lot of pain and recovery and still a little painful, but... I can talk again. So that's fun. Yeah. And we did our never, never party. Oh yeah. That was so fun. And that was a lot of fun. We did that. If you saw the pictures on Facebook, we did that the day after my surgery. So I'm looking all goofy. <laughs> and basically what it was, was you wear an outfit that you never get to wear and you bring a food that you never get to make. And, um, my third daughter, Melanie, she understood the assignment. And she came out in a snakeskin suit, skin tight. <laughs> it was something else. It was something. And she's right. She's never going to wear that anywhere else. Yeah. So. But it was a ton of fun. So we had that. Yeah. I wore my graduation outfit from college. Spent $90 on that thing. Better wear it at least <laughs> twice. <laughs> And I wore an old bridesmaid's dress that I didn't wear because I had a fallen out with the bride and got kicked out of the wedding. <laughs> that's, that's another story. But in any case, that's what I wore. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was fun. My baby wore an Easter outfit that he was not big enough to wear when it was Easter, but we'll never get to wear again because it was screaming. He looked like a southern lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> he looked like a little baby southern lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and my husband wore like a golfing outfit or something. My husband cheated and wore a Hawaiian shirt that I know I've seen him wear more He wears than that shirt all the time. I've seen him I wear it more he than wears once. It, it was the, the worst. Yeah. But when we have our color party, I'm all dressing, so he is not going to get to Good. cheat because I'm all dressing. <laughs> and I'm not wait. wearing just like a, a white pants and a t-shirt or something. I'm going legit on it. So So our next party is the color party. So basically you wear, you, okay, you draw a color and you wear everything in that color and you bring or cook a food in that color. So, mine is yellow. Theirs is uh, white. white. I don't know what anybody else got. Basically, we got the whole rainbow because everybody's done picked. Yeah. There were very <laughs> few colors left. Yeah, we were scrounging we trying to figure out colors left to give people. <laughs> so, um, hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. Though, I think it will. I think so. All right. I got a funny story. Well, an amusing story at the end. I always hesitate to say it's funny because it might not be funny. Okay. So, but I got a story for the end. Okay. All right. So, um, you ready to get started? Oh, no, because I want to update our listeners okay, go from ahead. a previous podcast. Okay, so we went to a bonfire with our family this past weekend, and we got on the subject of snakes. And y'all remember that story that she told y'all where the snake came out of the drain in her bathtub and was next it to her farting. It didn't come out of the drain. She's saying that snakes can't come out of the toilet. She said that on the podcast. And I googled it and they can. And my grandma said that my great grandma had a snake come out of her toilet before. Okay, so first off, that's not... I don't believe that's what I said. I said the snake did not come out of my toilet. I'm going to edit in and replay that 
part of the episode. Okay, you can. If I said it, I apologize. Maybe I was trying to keep you potty trained. It's one of my biggest fears that a snake comes up the toilet and bites me. They can't get up the toilet. You you said it came up the drain. No, I didn't. I said... The bathtub drain. No, you weren't listening because you were too in your mind about it coming up the toilet. At this point, saying that you were peeing from across the room. I basically, when I go in there, I don't ever move my feet. I stand in the center of the room and I pee from across the room. I'm kidding about that, but I do like have my feet way far away from the toilet. And then when I stand up, I never move my feet. I just reach over and wash my hands and I exit. <laughs> okay, so I'll tell the story about my great-grandmother at the end. Because okay. the story I have at the end also involves this story. Oh, okay. So, cool. Um, I'll go back to that at the end. But we're pressed for time in our recording today, so let us get started. Yes. All right. So today we're going to talk about the Black Widow of Hazel Green, Alabama. Ooh. I had never heard this story. But I ran across it, and I was like, yeah, let me look into it. Because usually Black Widow stories are so boring, and I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. But this one, this one had a little twist. Okay, so let's get started. Adam Dale was a celebrated soldier who had volunteered at the age of 14 to fight the Redcoats. That's how long ago this was. <laughs> He later helped Andrew Jackson put together an army to fight the Brits in the War of 1812. He became one of the first settlers in Middle Tennessee. He later built and ran a mill and became a very wealthy man. Somewhere in his adventurous life, he found time to father a daughter, Elizabeth. I bet he did. He had more than one kid, but <laughs> this is the one we're talking about. Elizabeth would go on to have quite an interesting life herself. By all accounts, Elizabeth was a striking woman. She had long, dark hair and cream-colored skin. She was well-educated, and she grew up wealthy, so she enjoyed the finer things in life, be that horses, fine clothing, or even furnishings. At 17, Elizabeth married 20-year-old Reverend Samuel Gibbons. They were happily married for 18 years. Four years into this marriage, though, he had a will drawn up, which left $100 to his sister, a shotgun to his nephew, and the entire rest of his estate to his lovely wife. How much did she get? Um, it did not give an an amount on the what the wife would inherit but remember she's wealthy in her own right I actually because I always try to see what questions you're going to ask and I figured you were going to ask how much a hundred dollars was in today's money oh yeah I guess I could and it was about twenty one hundred dollars <laughs> um but it never gave an amount of his estate gotcha. but apparently he was well off Okay, so he just gave a little bit to the aunt. To his sister, to yeah. To his sister. And then he gave a shotgun to his nephew. But also, this was four years into their marriage. And they were married for 18 years total. So it's at all possible that they were a little more modest um, financially 
in the beginning. Yeah. And then as they were married, their finances grew. Got it. Okay. So when he wrote the will, that may have been a, a large amount to them. Yeah. And then by the time he died, it yeah. may, you know, it may have looked a little pale. In any case, in 1830, he was 38 years old and he died of yellow fever. So, Just for those who don't know what yellow fever is, was that? Yellow fever um, was one of those plagues that went around back in the olden days. The where plague! They would, where they would, um, <laughs> huge portions of the town population would die off. It was, uh, I believe it was also called Black Tongue. Black Tongue? I believe is what it that. also was called. But um, it was apparently a fairly brutal plague. I'd have to double check, but I'm 94% positive that yellow fever was also called black tongue. Because your tongue would swell up and turn black? Oh, yes. It is spread by um, mosquitoes. Basically, it's yellow skin and eyes, jaundice, headaches, nausea. It seems like it's not that big of a deal. (laughs) He died of it. So, it probably isn't now. In 1830, it probably was a much bigger Fever, deal. headache, nausea, vomiting, serious cases may cause fatal heart, liver, and kidney conditions. There you go. Okay, so after the death of her husband, Elizabeth briefly lived with her brother, Edward Dale, until he completed suicide after he, quote, ran into some issues at the bank. Shortly thereafter, in October of 1831, and remember her husband died in 1830, she married Philip Flanagan. He died five months later at the age of 36. His Hmm. gravestone inscription said, quote, He was the sincere friend, the agreeable companion, affectionate husband, honest man. There was no info on how he died. I did try to look it up. 1830, her first husband dies. She gets remarried in 1831. Her husband, her second husband, lasts five months, and he does. They married in October, so 1832 would have been when he died. 1833, Elizabeth married William Alexander Jeffrey. He was a widower who owned a sizable plantation in Hazel Green, Alabama. He had built a four-room cabin on top of a Native American mound because he felt like that was the best place to oversee his 500 acres was a um, Native American mound that was out there. Yeah. So, FYI, Native American mounds were not always used for burial, which is something I think people commonly think is that it's a burial mound. Sometimes they were. Sometimes they were used as sort of a stage for their community. Um, Some were used in religious ceremonies, and some were landmarks, just to, you know, kind of mark where you are. This one was pretty big, so... I don't think it was a landmark. Um, We don't know which one this was either, and it does feel a little disrespectful to just throw your house up on top of one. (laughs) Yeah. But in any case, Elizabeth had met William Jeffries when she was married to Philip Flanagan. And when he heard that Philip had passed, he come a court as quick as he possibly could 
Because he didn't want anybody else to snatch her up. Because <laughs> remember, she's she's good looking. She's wealthy. She's well educated. I'm just saying she's poisoning all these guys. My theory. Well, I guess we'll see. Um, and at this point, she's still fairly young. Yeah. So, they got married and were married for five years. They had two kids, a son and a daughter. And in 1838, at the age of 65, William Jeffries died. He was buried on the property. So, how many kids does she have now? She had two with him then. That's... That's all the kids she That's has? That's what she's she had, had so far. No, she did not have kids with the first marriage or the second marriage. And we're on the third now, correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so when William died, Elizabeth inherited his estate. And she went from rich to very, very rich. <laughs> yeah, I bet. In May of 1839, and remember, William died in 1838. So, she does not stay year. single long. In May of 1839, she married husband number four, Robert A. High. He was a member of the Alabama House of Representatives. He was himself a three-time widower. So, he had no reservations regarding her past or all the husbands she had buried. He was 43 when he died February 16th, 1841. So, this is, what, two years? Three. Three years? Well, yeah, roughly three years. Jeez Louise. At this point, Elizabeth is 46. Okay, he died 1841. Mm -hmm. On August 13th, 1844, Elizabeth's daughter, Mary, passed away at age seven. What? I could not find anything on what caused her death, just that she was also buried on the property at um, Hazel Green. Also, I believe the fourth husband was buried on the property at Hazel Green as well. Uh, that daughter got into her poison plants. That's what happened. Yeah, anything's possible, I guess. In March, March 16th to be exact, 1846, Elizabeth married wealthy merchant, I'm going to butcher this name, Absalom Brown. I think that's close enough. We're going to call him Mr. Brown from now on. Though. Yep. His wealth combined with hers allowed her to build her dream house on that mound in Hazel Green. It took a year for the house to be completed, and Mr. Brown did not get to enjoy it long because he died a few months after it was built. So, they were married for a little over a year. In those days when somebody died, the body was cleaned and dressed by a family member or the neighborhood ladies, and then they were laid out in the family home. Yeah. Loved ones would take shifts sitting up with them, usually for three days. Back then, it was sometimes hard to know if somebody was actually dead, so they would do it to make sure the person didn't wake up. And that's why it's called awake now. Oh. Is because that's that's where that started. You would sit with your loved one in the house and make sure they didn't wake up from being dead. Who knew? So, I'm going to pause here for a hilarious story about my grandma Phillips. Okay. So, my grandma Phillips used to tell us a story about when she was 12 or 13, 
she had to go with her mama to help with a neighbor lady that had passed. Yeah. My grandma Phillips was 83 when she died, and she died when you were um, probably maybe two. Gotcha. So that's how old my grandma Phillips. This is how long ago this was. This was back in the day. So in any case, her mama was like, come help me prepare this neighbor lady who had passed on. Right. They get their stuff and they walk down the dirt road to the neighbor's house and everything. And her mama starts to wash in the body and all. And she tells my grandma Philip, she says, um, sit her up because she's going to put a shirt on her. Well, you know, the body's trapped gas and stuff. Right. Well, when she sets her up, the gas comes out and the woman goes, Oh my God, how creepy. And my grandma Phillips just dropped her and ran. Her mama's yelling at her. She ran all the way to the house and (laughs) did not stop. She says she got her butt tore up when her mama got home, but it was worth it because that was the creepiest Uh, thing in the world. (laughs) I'd be gone too. So that used to make me laugh every time she'd tell that story. (laughs) Like I said, they would dress up their um, family. They would wash them and everything and put them out in their parlor, usually. And people would come visit the family also at this time. Right. So she had Mr. Brown um, prepared and laid out. But then they all soon realized he was beginning to swell, like at an alarming rate. Oh, no. And... So, Elizabeth starts to worry what is going to happen if he continues to be allowed to swell up in her parlor. Yeah. So, she decides that they need to bury him immediately. Uh, yeah. At this point in the in the story, the town people, they're talking. There's rumors swirling. And her burying husband number five by lantern light in the dead of night not helping her case oh yeah there is a lot of speculation that she's trying to hide evidence they thought she must have poisoned him and that's why he was swelling yeah i think so too i could not find a poison that caused your body to swell at an alarming rate but there may be one most of the time it's caused by certain bacterias in your um, intestines and such releasing gas and that's why it makes you swell but there could be a poison that causes it I just could not find one. In 1848, Elizabeth meets and marries Willis Rout. What if he was allergic to the poison that she used? I mean, I guess and that's, that's possible. why he swelled. That swelled, is possible. Swelled, swelled, swelled. But also, I mean, he could have been ill. He did just die. I mean, we don't know what he died of. That was, kind of, that was kind of the thing. I, I went back on all of these and tried to figure out how they died, and I could not find anything on how they died. So, but this is so long ago, I don't know that, yeah. unless it was obvious how somebody died, I don't know if it was something that was recorded, because I, I was so. not finding them. But devil's advocate, he could have just been sick, and whatever he had caused him to swell. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, likely story. And it's possible. Okay, so in 1848, she meets and marries Willis Rout. I did not find a lot of info on him, um, what was going on with him, what he did for a living, none of that. I couldn't find almost anything. 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's probably wealthy just because that seemed to be the circle she was traveling in. Uh, yeah. Um, they lived in Hazel Green together. While they were living in Hazel Green, in October of 1851, her father, Adam, died in her house while he was on a visit. Hmm. So rumors start spreading that she had poisoned her father, somehow murdered her father, but he was 81 at the yeah. time. So, I mean, I she may have, but he was 81. So, let's and be what honest. reason? Unless he was confronting her about her killing everybody. I mean, maybe, but this is in 1851 and he was in his 80s that feels like an extraordinary life yeah in any case before the end of 1851 willis had also moved along to his heavenly reward he was 48 at this point elizabeth was 53 oh but uh apparently she was still looking good her mom, after the dad died in the house, after Adam died in the house, her mom moves back to Tennessee, goes back to Tennessee to live with her daughter there. Yeah. The rumors start swirling about Adam being murdered, and a few months later, the husband also dies. So yeah. she lost both of them within, in the same year. So, the mother starts hearing all these rumors even back in Tennessee. If and she is not poisoning them, how tragic of a life is this? Exactly. <laughs> the rumors are not quieting down. And the mom starts to get, get upset by them. And she starts to think about it. It's weighing on her heart. So, she asked her daughter's husband... Nathan, Nathan Vaught, Nathan Vaught, to go back to Alabama and retrieve Adam's body. From a new husband? No, this is her son. And, and you weren't listening. Okay, okay so okay. listen. You gotta follow. The mom moves back the to Tennessee. The mom moves back to Tennessee in with her other daughter. Other daughter? I thought she was moving to no, be I with said other daughter. the girl. You no, said her daughter. Her okay. other daughter. Other Elizabeth lives in Alabama. She lives at Hazel Green in Alabama. Okay. The mom moves back to Tennessee with her other daughter. And she's living there. Yeah. Well, she starts hearing all these rumors because now Elizabeth's done lost a husband too. Again. In the same year as the father. So these rumors are just going wild. Right. So, it really starts to bother the mom that Elizabeth may have killed her husband. Right. And her father. Husband's. Her father. The mom asked her son-in-law from the daughter in Tennessee. Yes. His name is Nathan Vaught. She says, how about go back to Alabama and bring my husband. Oh. So, he does. He goes back to Alabama and he gets Adam, and Adam's body is in, like, a mummified state, and he's extremely dark. And so, when they bring him out, people were like, oh, that's not right. It must be because he was poisoned. So, the rumors just, like, it's fire on the rumors, because they yeah. are just like, no, he must have been murdered, because look at the state of his body. Now, I don't know how often they were digging people up by then and if they had something to compare it yeah, to or they were just like, say. it's not what I had imagined, but that's what happened. Adam gets taken back to the same property where the Reverend was buried, the first husband. 
Mm-hmm. And Nathan actually goes on to establish a cemetery there in 1853 in its Rose Hill Cemetery, which is um, pretty well known in the area. And those two graves, the Reverend and Adam, are the only two to actually predate the cemetery. Hmm. So I just thought that was a weird fact. That is an interesting fact. The fact that the mom had called to have her husband brought back, brought to her. Yeah and taken out of Hazel Green really did not help people's suspicions of Elizabeth, so thanks, Mom, for that. (laughs) But those rumors did not put a little damper on the feelings of Mr. D.H. Bingham. He was a school teacher. So not wealthy. Probably. Well, I mean, back in the day, I believe school teacher was at very least uh, an honorable profession. Mm Mm-hmm. So, no, I don't think they were making a killing, but, um, I mean, it probably paid more than, like, a farmer or something like that. At this point, Elizabeth is in her 60s, but she's keeping it tight. Bingham's all about her. (laughs) Before they can marry, though, Elizabeth's neighbor, Abner Tate, starts causing problems. Mm. There's a little bit of debate on why he was angry with Elizabeth. Some say he was angry because her livestock kept getting out and damaging his crops. And some say he also had the hots for her and she shut it down. Or she had promised that he was next. Well, that'd be the same thing. He had the hots for her. She was like, no, I ain't ain't about it. I got Mr. Bingham over here, and I think he's the next. <laughs> so, in any case, whatever he was married, we don't, I mean, whatever he was angry, we don't know. Well, hindsight, she should have gone with that Mr. Tate because um, she could have extended her property some more. I mean, that's an idea. But, I mean, she's got over 500 acres. I can't imagine she really needed that much more. Well, if her animals are getting into Mr. Tate's yard, yeah, then she, she just needed more. a fence. She need, she need property. She needed a fence. I'm going to go with she needs more property. Okay. Whatever the reason he was angry, he decided that he is going to ruin her life, which basically meant he was going to perpetuate these rumors about her being a black widow and a daddy killer. Soon after he started his campaign of life ruining, he was shot by one of his slaves. Hmm. It was widely held that Elizabeth had paid one of her own slaves to shoot him, but this slave had contracted the hit out to his slave. Tate did not die. Ooh. So he continued to harass Elizabeth. Bingham, because he's so smitten with her, decides he needs to come to the rescue. So he accuses Tate of murdering a traveler who had come to sell some livestock from Kentucky. And that Tate had buried this traveler's, had burned this traveler's body in his fireplace to hide out the evidence and then buried the remains on his property. In response, Tate wrote a pamphlet, which, you know, back then was like their equivalent of a Facebook post. They would write these pamphlets and pass them out to everybody (laughs) so everybody could hear their opinion on stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's Facebook before Facebook was Facebook. His pamphlet was called, this is a long title, so. Okay. Defense of Abner Tate against charge of murder preferred by D.H. Bingham. Okay. Oh, okay. That's what his pamphlet was called. 
in which he calls Elizabeth's bedchamber a charnel house, which basically means it's where men go to die. <laughs> he also said that her marital couch, which would have been her bed, mm -hmm. had six grinning skeletons hung up around it watching her with her next man. That's actually fairly witty. Yeah. Like, I don't know his background or anything, but that actually is kind of funny, saying her bedroom's where men go to die. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Elizabeth turns around and she sues him for $50,000 in a defamation lawsuit. Jeez, how much is that in today's money? It's well over a million dollars. Yeah, I'm going to need that. The public is very much against Elizabeth in this. These rumors are still going... He is still spreading these rumors. Everybody's like, look, Bingham just started this because he's talking bad about Elizabeth and he, he wants to marry Elizabeth. So all of this is probably made up. The thing is, I'm not so sure the murder of the traveler thing was made up. There's got to be a reason he said it and it wasn't the only place that it got seen. Yeah. So... I'm not so sure it was completely made up, but rumors are spreading through the town. They even would say that she had six hooks behind her door and she had a hat from each husband on it. Like each Aww. one of their hats hanging next to her door. And uh, they're just, the public opinion is against her. Right. So before the lawsuit even gets to judgment, she just drops it and she sells her property at Hazel Green, and she just moves to Mississippi. What? As far as I could tell, she did not remarry. But, records being what they were back in the day, it is possible she did. And I guess she just ditched out Bingham, too, because yeah, I never I saw what happened that. to him. If he went to Mississippi with her, or she just skipped out in the middle of the night, I don't know. But in any case, as far as I can tell, she never married again, and she died in 1866. How old does that make her? She was 53 in 1851, and so she died in 1866, so that's, what, 15 years later? Mm-hmm. So, 15 and 53? 8, 1868. Yeah, so... 68. She's a 68. 68. Not terribly old. Yeah. I mean, but it is back in the day, so. True. After she died, the rumors still didn't even stop then. To this day, people say she was a witch and tell ghost stories about her property. The house burned down in 1968. Ghost stories are still told about the poisoned husbands and, I guess, daddy that haunt the property, about all the deaths, the things they say she's a witch and she would uh, do all this black magic. That's how she was killing them. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff gets said. Now, interestingly enough, in 1982, songwriters Jim McBride and Stuart Harris got together in a writing session and they started trading ghost stories from their youth. One of them misremembered the story of Hazel Green, and it became the inspiration for a song called Rose in Paradise, which was later recorded by Waylon Jennings. Do you know the song? You might would know it if you heard it. It's actually one of my favorite songs. I did not realize it was based on this, yeah. and the song itself has nothing to do with this. 
really. Um, it's completely different, but it's about this guy who has this beautiful wife and he's real jealous and everything and he'll do anything it takes. Her name's Rose and he'll do anything it takes to keep his Rose in paradise with yeah. him. And so he hires this man to look after her while he's traveling and he comes back and the man and the woman are gone. Mm. And, um, it says something like, some say they ran away together, some say that gardener left alone. And then in the winter, there's a flower that blooms. It's a rose. And it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It will even bloom in the winter. So mm -hmm. every year, this rose blooms in paradise. Mm -hmm. So it's inferring that the garden, gardener had killed her and buried her. And now her yeah. ghost is growing this. It's a gorgeous song. You should look it up. It's kind of creepy. Anyway, I absolutely love it. So, was Elizabeth one of the first serial killers in America? Yes. Or was she a victim of terrible circumstance? If so, that sucks. It did. Life expectancy back then was between 30 years old and 50 years old, depending on the year, because her life spanned yeah. a good long time. So, depending on the year and what was going on and what plagues were out and what hardships were going on, life expectancy was either 30 years old up to 50 years old during that time frame. So, most of her husbands fell within that. Yeah. Her father certainly had surpassed it. Oh, for sure. By a mile. So, I'm just... You know, some of them died, like, I think one died at 43 or something. It's not that out of question Yeah, that he died of natural causes at 43 because that was, you know, a thing back then. So, what do you think? Well, I think that she's a serial killer. Do you? She has pl uh, poisonous plants. And her kid got into the poison plant. And her dad was asking questions about those rumors. <laughs> so, you think she killed everybody involved? Yes. I except the daughter. I don't or the kid. I don't think that she killed her kid. You think it was I an think, accident? Yeah, I think that they went and picked a flower they weren't supposed to or something. Okay, so I actually I think she was just a victim of a terrible circumstance. Really? I, think, I do. I think that she was with the first husband for eighteen years. Yeah, but after your first killing it's easier. But I don't believe on. she would have killed him. I mean, 18 years you're with this man? The first one, maybe not. Now, but then the second one only lasted five months. That's real quick to be killing somebody. And she could, didn't really need the money. Yeah. Could it have been the Indian mound spirits? The first two husbands did not live there. All the rest did. Yeah. So, that that is another thing. It could have been an Indian curse. Me and Zane talked about that the other day, because anytime, or maybe it's Melanie, anytime <laughs> there's a haunted house, it's always, it's on an Indian burial ground. And I'm yeah. like, why is it never just like on a Caucasian burial ground? Yeah. <laughs> like, nobody ever says that. Mm -mm. Anyway, moving on, because like I said, okay. we're a little pressed for time, and I got to get ready to go get Zane for, for sure. The other day, I got a funny story, got two, I'm about to tell you. Okay. The other day, I went to take Zane to school, and I'm on the way home to drop him out, put on our podcast, the one that I talked about, the snake in, 
because I was real excited about that one because the ghost story. And also because um, somebody asked me what the next one was and I said it was haunted houses and um, they were like, oh, is it creepy? And I'm like, I really don't think it was that creepy. I think yeah. it was kind of amusing. And I was like, maybe I'm wrong. So I wanted to, to double check. So yeah. I was listening to it in case I was wrong. So in any case, I, I get to the part where the I'm telling the snake story. And I'm driving down the road, you know, and um, out there it's pretty rural. There's not really that many cars in the morning once you get out of town. Yeah. So I'm like bebopping along, driving. All of a sudden, it's time about that snake and something hits my leg. Oh, <gasps> no. I almost had a heart attack. No. And then I feel it coming up my leg and I look. Ooh. It is a doggone tree frog that got in my car. Oh, what? Now, then this tree frog, he climbs up, and then he jumps into the passenger seat, and I'm like, cool, ride there for a while. And then I'm like, I want to stop and let him out, but I don't really have anywhere I can pull my car yeah. off. And so I'm like, it's cool, I'll just let him out when I get back to the house. So um, then I look over, and he's gone, and I'm like, where did he go? I do not want this car, this frog loose in my car yeah. dying in the heat. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm I'm trucking down the road, and then all of a sudden he's like over here on my window, <laughs> and he's like on the window, like I spying out the window, and then he like gets on the dash a little bit. Well, then I pull into the yard, and I was gonna take a picture of him on the dash, but I opened the door and he dove out. But I did get pictures of him on the window, <laughs> so, <laughs> but he's like sliding down on the window. <laughs> But I had almost had a heart attack in the uh, in the car about this frog. I bet. I know. I was like, what on earth? But it was like right when I was talking about it, I didn't know what kind of snake it was and everything. And I was all up into the story. And then it just hit me in the leg. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd have been state bit. <laughs> so, the story about my grandma Phillips. She lived in Florida. And she was forever having some kind of wild creature show up at her house. She lived in, like, the swamp of Florida. Yeah. Like, she was not in Orlando. She's out in the swamp. Like, alligators were eating her cattle and stuff, like swamp. She was, this isn't politically correct now, but my grandma Phillips was a tough woman. Like, she had... I never knew her to be married, but I knew at some point she was. Um, I think she caught him cheating and, like, tried to kill him or something. I remember a story about him pulling up in a motorhome, like, after he had left. I guess he was going to come try it again, and she, like, shot holes all in his motorhome or something. She's quick <laughs> to pull out a gun, and she was um, she was a tough woman. She yeah. raised cattle. She farmed. She was a tough woman, and she grew up back in the day. So, I would not mess with her, for sure, even in an old age. But, um, when we were kids, we'd go stay with her sometimes, mm -hmm. and she'd put us, like, on the living room floor or whatever, and we'd be giggling, me and Adam, <laughs> we'd be giggling and stuff, you know how kids do. Yeah. And she'd come out there and be like, if you don't shut up, I'll put you outside for the gators to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and we were terrified because we'd go out and uh when you'd go out to play you'd have to be real careful you ain't stepping a gator hole or whatever yeah so um it was scared crap out of us that's just who she was she didn't need anybody for anything she's tough as hell yeah 
In any case, her toilet started flushing on its own. And Creepy. she was like, something's wrong with my toilet. And uh, and she tells my, my daddy's cousin. She's like, you know, they come over to the house. She's like, hey, something's wrong with my toilet. It's flushing on its own. And his cousin's like, Grandma, I don't think it is. It's probably just ruining. And she's like, it's not running, it's flushing. And he's like, that's not even possible. Yeah. And she's like, well, I'm telling you it is. And he said, I, I, I look at it, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. And so um, she gets back there and she's like, um, it continues on. She's like, I look at it myself. And so she takes off the lid to the tank yeah. of the toilet. And there is a, um, so she thought it was a python, and it could have been, or it could have been a boa constrictor, I don't know, I know they're both in the swamp Jeez. In any case, it's wrapped around the, it's on the ball of the, the float, toilet, yeah. the float. And so, whenever it would climb up there, it would drop, and it would flush the toilet. Yeah, oh my god. And so, Whoa, she's like... She calls and she's like, you know, hey, there's a snake in the tank of my toilet. And um, my daddy's cousin's like, that's not even possible. There's no way for a snake to get into the tank of the toilet. And she's like, well, I'm looking at him. And he's like, okay, Grandma. He acts like she's crazy, which ironically, she did go kind of crazy back in <laughs> But in any case, so she whips out her shotgun and she shoots the snake in the toilet, explodes the tank and everything. <laughs> and so she's like, well, you can come get it now because I, I shot it and I need a new toilet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they wound up having to come put a new toilet in because he wouldn't check for the snakes. So the moral of that story is when one of your older relatives tells you that you need to come check something out for them, you need to get off your lazy butt and actually do it and yeah. don't tell them it's not possible because maybe it just is. Yeah. So that's the moral of that story. See, and she knew that this was possible and she told us that snakes can't get up the toilet. I don't think I said they couldn't. I said they... Okay, so here we're both on a well and a septic tank, so the chances of it happening are super slim. Like, it would have to find a break in the line. Okay. It would have to find a break in the line and somehow get in, either with the water coming in, which the hose is only like as big around as your thumb, or... It would have had to somehow get in the septic tank and then climb up. Oh, it's super. I don't even think it is possible. Now I'm. I'm gonna stick with it. I don't think it's possible. I'm telling you that Google says it's possible. Google's a liar. But also, Google's probably talking about places like in cities where they got sewer systems. You know, when we was kids. They used to tell you there was alligators living in the sewer systems yeah. and stuff. Cause when we were kids, when we would come back from Florida. When you was in Florida, they'd sell these little baby alligators as mm. pets, like at the gas stations what? and stuff. Yes. You would just, it, you'd go like to the gas station what and they would have. What are you supposed to do with it when it gets big? They didn't care. Nobody thought that through. This is back in the day. I swear this is the truth. I don't know. This Ask, is the truth. I swear to you this is the truth. People would, they would sell these little baby alligators and they were little, you know, they was only four to six inches long. And they would say, ask Billy. And so anytime you went to like a gas station, any kind of touristy thing in Florida, they'd sell you these alligators if you wanted them. 
I always wanted one. My parents would never let me get one. And so, <laughs> I, I was why. so angry about it because I was never allowed to get one. And um, But people would get them, and then they would get them home, and then they'd start growing, and then what are you going to do with them? So what did people do with it? They would set them loose, or some people would flush them down the toilet. Right. And then they would get in the sewer systems. And there was legitimate newspaper articles about people would go, the repairman or whatever would go into the sewer system to repair something, and there'd be an alligator in there. So it spawned like this urban legend that there were like 10, 20, 30 foot gators in the sewer system. If you ever went in there, they'd eat you. There was even a movie called Alligator when we were a kid. I remember about, that movie. Yeah, it was a really good movie. It's one of my favorite horror movies. And uh, and that's what it came from. But look it up when you get a chance. I'm telling you it is true. They would sell to just anybody. Like you could just, at the gas station, I think there were like 10 bucks or something. You could walk out with a cardboard box with an alligator in it. I'm just thinking of, uh, you remember that scene in, uh, The Waterboy when they barbecued the alligators? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The alligator's good. Oh, yeah, it is. But it I'm is saying, good. like, that's what they probably did with all those it might alligators. Be. I don't know. Barbecue. But I think they let them loose. I think that's why, um, that there are gators now in Georgia and South Carolina and all. Because when we were kids, you didn't see alligators in Georgia. Now they're everywhere. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that has something to do with it. And it might just be part of the, you know, just migration. But, mm. you know, for a lot of years, they really weren't in this area. And now, you know, like one walked into the family dollar in Augusta the other week. So, Ooh. the dollar gentry, whatever it was. Mm. In any case, um, but look it up. I swear it's true. If, if y'all remember this, y'all say something on the Facebook page because I swear this is true. Yeah, let us know if you, it's true. If you have seen this before. All right. So you got anything else? Nope. All right. Well, um, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, you would really help us out if you could leave us a good review, but at least share us. And this week, we're gonna share us with somebody that drives a black car oh lame it's what i had this week i don't know what to tell you i need to go back and re-listen and write down everything i said so that i don't repeat anything and i knew i had not repeated that so i wanted to say somebody with a name that starts with something but i was like didn't i do that one time i don't think so so in any case but even the, if you did, there's 26 letters in the alphabet. I know, but what if I don't know which letter I used? And then we share it with the same person twice. And then they're like, why are you telling me? We either again? said A or M. A because it's the first letter of the alphabet. I don't M think it's either it's one ours. of them. I was thinking it was S. Maybe R. <laughs> I, I know you didn't say X or Z. <laughs> in any case, y'all have a good one. We'll see you next week. Okay, bye.